Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Well, hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. And Kate. And Jennifer. And John. <laughs> uh, so we just got back from Thanksgiving. We took a week off. No no Breakthrough Breakdown podcast during the week off. How's everybody's Thanksgiving? It was really good. Yeah, it was really good. That was your good. first time as a Hopple Thanksgiving, as mm-hmm. an official Hopple. Oh, yeah, as married, yeah. As a married Hopple. That's weird to think about. A Hopple Happy Thanksgiving. Hopple Happy Thanksgiving. Mm. What did you guys do, Jennifer? Uh, my brother just moved from Nashville to Kansas City, and oh, nice. uh, they hosted my entire family. I have three younger brothers and two stepsisters, so all of our families were there. Awesome. Except, everyone except for my mom. That made me sad. But So we, uh, Lisa and I and the kids went up to uh, Minneapolis and hung out with our friends, the Chums. Uh, they're Cambodian, so in, they didn't really have any Cambodian Thanksgiving stuff, but it was it was good. It was good to be up there. So did you do a traditional Thanksgiving meal, or was it it was Cambodian recipes? No, no, we did a traditional. Okay. Um, we I, they we didn't all sit down. It was kind of a just get your food and hung out. It was more just about being together. Yeah. So it was it was really good. I actually I watched the new King Richard movie. I want to see that. What do you think? It was really good, really good. Uh, King, it's the story of Serena Venus and Serena Williams. Oh, dad. I did want to see that. Yeah, it's really good. Denzel or Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith yeah. So, yeah. and I'm reading his biography right, his autobiography right now, which is also really intriguing. Uh, well, hey, we're uh, continuing in our Galatians series, and Megan, uh, Megan, our, our executive director, preached this Sunday, which again we're recording before Sunday. Um, but it's all about God's promises. Um, you know, when I we we think about this idea of covenants, and you know, honestly, we don't talk too much about covenant in our culture because it's not part of who we are. I think the closest thing we un, we talk about in covenant is marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we didn't get into, or Megan didn't get into, is that uh, in the ancient world there were a whole bunch of parts that inv- uh, involved covenants. You had a sign and a seal, and often the seal of the covenant was blood. And and so you have all these different things and you have rules or laws or promises that if, hey, if you obey these laws, you're going to receive these blessings. If you disobey them, you get curses. And there's multiple co- covenants in the Bible, but there's several primary ones. And I'm just going to share these real quickly for our people listening, because Megan actually spent a lot about the Abrahamic covenant. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we don't actually talk about, just because it tends to be more educational than on a Sunday morning, so you have several primary covenants in the Bible. So you have the Edemic covenant, which was God basically just saying, go out and multiply and rule and subdue the earth. Go out and manage this, this gift I've given the you. The covenant with Adam. That's the Edemic covenant, yep. Uh, then you have what's called the, Abra- or the Noahic covenant, which the Noahic covenant was God basically saying, hey, I'm not going to wipe out the world through flood again. But I'll give you rainbows. But I'll give you rainbows. And that's the sign of the covenant. That's the sign of the covenant. Uh, And then you have after him, you have the Abrahamic covenant. So these are our first big three ones. Abrahamic covenant where God takes this guy, Abram, who lived in this land called Ur, which Ur was the most technologically advanced civilization of its time. And he was not he was not Jewish. There was no law. There was nothing that made him distinct. Uh, he actually would have worshipped other pagan gods, gods of Mesopotamia, Akkadia, um, uh, Egypt, other gods around the area. And yet this god, who he does not know, appears to him and makes a promise with him. 
and basically says, hey, listen, I get it that you're old. You and your wife, Sarai, are old. And if you trust me, I'm going to give you a child, which they laughed because, I mean, he's old. Uh, he then also says, and I'm going to give you land. And more importantly, he says, I'm going to make you a blessing to the whole world. You're going to have so many people come from you. Your, your numbers are going to be greater than the sand on the seashores. And so that's the Abrahamic covenant in which there's no law involved. And God, in fact, uh, Megan talked about this on Sunday, is God makes what's called a unilateral covenant. So there, in the ancient world, there were three types of covenant. You had a unilateral, which is, let's say, Jennifer and I make a covenant. This is, Jennifer doesn't have to do anything. I'm the one who's responsible for it all. It's called a unilateral, okay? Then you have what's called a conditional covenant, which is uh, you have big king, little king. Okay, so now let's say I'm a big king. And I've got land, I've got power, and Jennifer is a small, she has a small landing king. And I would come to Jennifer and say, hey, Jennifer, uh, you're small, I'm big, I could take you over or destroy you, or we can make a covenant. And part of this covenant is here's what's going to happen. Um, when I need you, you're going to come. You're going to come and be part of my army when I need you. But when you need me, I'm going to bring all of my resources to protect you. Uh, there's a tie, there's giving. So you're going to pay a tax to me, okay? Then you also have what are called laws. We get our Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Covenant. The Ten Commandments are part of that. They're uh, one of the signs, which is, hey, you want to know that you're my people? Jennifer, here are some rules I'm going to give you. If you obey them, I'll bless you. If you don't, there's going to be curses or consequences. The thing with a conditional covenant compared to a unilateral or unconditional covenant is that you only get the blessings if you actually do it. So then after... Uh, Abraham, you have Moses. God makes what's called a conditional covenant with Moses. And the Mosaic covenant is, I will be your God and you will be my people. But it was ultimately a promise because of what God did and made a promise to Abraham. And if you read the story of Exodus, you talk about they, the entire people of Israel had forgotten about God. And now they're in Egypt. And this is where it gets interesting. And I'm going to stop here before we get to the rest of it. But um, we actually find that God hears the Israelites complaining, the Hebrews complaining, even though they're not worshiping him. And he listens and comes to their defense, not because of who they were, but because of his promise to Abraham. And that's, we see this in Exodus chapter one and two, that they were enslaved, that, that uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt had forgotten the blessing that had come from Joseph, who was part of the line of Abraham. And they call out to the Lord, and the Lord hears them, and he's going to rescue his people because of his covenant to Abraham. And then Moses, we get the whole story of Moses, and then Moses comes out, leads them out of the out of the out of the uh, uh, out of Egypt into uh, the desert, where they're ultimately going to get the promised land, and they get the Ten Commandments. Okay, so let's stop here for a second. Here's what I want to talk about. When we talk about covenants in our world today, we don't use that language very often. What do you think is the biggest issue for people who are reading the Bible and they re read words like covenants and contracts? Why do you think that's so hard for us to wrap our mind around? And I'll start it off so maybe we can have more conversation on it. But I think part of it is, is that we don't really hold to contracts very well. Like how many people, they make a covenant for marriage and they'll get divorced two weeks later if they're unhappy. Or, or annul it altogether. Annul it, yeah, which is... Weird, because in the Catholic Church, if you don't like your marriage, you can pay some money and have that. It's like it never happened. Why, why do you think it's so hard for us to understand this idea of a covenant in the Bible? Well, it feels like such an old-fashioned word and even like an old-fashioned so Just concept. the language. Yeah. yeah, a covenant. It makes me think of like, I don't know, feudal 
England knights and <laughs> castles and everything like that. Yes, my lord, I will make a covenant with you. You know, it's it's, it's very old fashioned, and so I I, I kind of have to read. Like I just kind of skim it over when I'm reading it, and it probably doesn't help too that I've read those stories in Genesis and Exodus several times, or I've heard them. Yeah. So I kind of just like skip over it. But yeah, it's a really a really serious like binding thing when you make a covenant or it should be it ought to be Uh well in the ancient world because and this is part of what they would do is they would do a sign of blood so they would sacrifice animals the whole thing is a bloody affair i mean it's it's filled with blood and you'd walk through the animals together and there'd be blood on your feet and on your ankles and on your clothes and you would walk through it and just say may it be done to me what was done to this animal if i ever break the covenant yeah that's not like we don't do that now we don't do that now (laughs) i think like what makes covenant such a hard concept for someone that is coming into the church. I wasn't raised as a Christian and coming into the church and hearing covenant and being like, what does that mean? And you do think of it as like an archaic term, not something that would have modern day use. But I also think that like also, and I think that we use the words like promise or contract or deal deal Mm -hmm. so flippantly. Mm -hmm. And I gave that message on Mother's Day last year on um, keeping our oaths when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount and talked a little bit about it, too. And I loved diving into that and reading the commentaries and looking at a lot of the psychological side of how humans today, modern humans, view the idea of promises. And when we say, like, oh, yeah, I'll be there, or like, if I can, and we say it so flippantly, we don't really carry a weight to the things that we say we will do. So then when we put our lens, like Pastor Derek was talking about, our lens of our experiences and how we use words or maybe what our earthly father has said to us. us, If my dad says, or I've even had the experience, you know, I was a single mom. If my son's dad would say things like, oh, I'll come and pick him up this weekend, I promise. How many times did I pack that bag that never left? Like, we have these earthly ideas that when you read now in scripture and you see a covenant from God, our heavenly father, and it's tainted by my modern idea of what a promise means. Yeah. And that's a hard concept for us. It's weakened a little bit or it's yeah. less in value perhaps. You know, it's funny because we were just, we were just, I have two thoughts, but we were just studying um, silence and the value yeah. of silence yeah. and um, I thought and of how that too. affects your words. And it's like, we use these words all the time that they've lost their significance. Yeah. yeah. But I, and I totally agree with Kate. I agree that it's just really, a, we just throw these things around and, and just even on silly things, I, I'll pay you back. I promise. And we do like, yeah. it was $2. Like it wasn't even that big of a sacrifice or that big of a deal. Yeah. But I think that there's another side of it. And I think the other side of it is we take God out of so much. Yeah. Like I can do so much of my living without him if I'm not careful that. And now I'm making promises based on my authority, my ability, my worth. Yeah. And the covenant is uh, about God's. Right. And that's the significance where it's like. If I, even if it, even if in my daily walk, I put God in there, I will, I will pay you back because I'm a daughter of the King and that's what the daughter of the King does. You know, like I, I think that would change our perspective of that word and of promises. And we, God is a promise keeper and we're grateful for that, but also, um, we're impatient and that's a whole different topic, but 
Well, I think also we don't have any broken promises in our lives. And we don't really have consequences for broken promises. Yeah. Like in the ancient world, and and we actually, we got into a rather lengthy conversation about this in Sermon Read Through because, uh, and Megan may do this on Sunday or not, but she was going to take a stuffed animal or may take a stuffed animal and sacrifice it, like literally cut it in half. And we got in a whole thing of like, is that necessary? What do we do? And, and kind of my big, my big point was, is we often don't really think about how uncomfortable the Bible makes us. You know, there are things that happen in scripture that are so foreign to us. And, and so my thing is like, some people are like, that's, is that doing it for shock value or for shock? Value? Like, are we just doing it to do it? What benefit does it have? And I know for me, one of the things that I struggle with regularly in communicating things is there's such a gap between what we experience and what the people in the ancient world experienced, even a gap between what I experienced now and what happened in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about, but that's a, if you're going by Abraham, we're talking 4,000 years. Like this was a world where animal sacrifice was everywhere. Even child sacrifice. Child sacrifice yeah. was, was everywhere. everywhere. That's right. And, and so like the reason why I, I, we kind of really got into it. I mean, it was, it was much more lengthy than it needed to be, I'm guessing. But we don't think about, here's Abraham. They're taking, first of all, livestock, which would have cost money. Because you, and, and food. And food, because it's money and food. Yeah. You sacrifice that animal. And as a result of that, what ends up happening is, is you take that animal, you split it apart, and there are multiple animals. And this is part of what we see in this story in Genesis with Abraham. Is Genesis 15. Genesis 15, yeah, 15 or 17. I don't remember which exactly which it is, but I think it's 15. And they, they, God makes a covenant with Abraham. And he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. So they do all the things you normally do. They split a heifer and birds. And this is bloody. There's blood everywhere. And the two people would gather, grab each other's hands and they'd walk in a figure eight through, through the blood and basically say, maybe done to me what was done to this animal if I break the covenant. Well, if I break a covenant, what's the worst that happens to me? Like if I tell you, Jennifer, I promise I'm going to do that. Well, I lose trust. Yeah. But let's be honest. It might be a broken relationship, but. But in our culture, we're so flippant. We don't really care about, yeah. do you trust me? Right. And I also and think, I, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. ahead. I love it. I like this oh, dance go, we do. <laughs> John, but, but, yeah. but uh, I, yeah, I was uh, thinking uh, about the promise part of like, yeah, so there's not enough physical consequence that happens when we break a promise. But I think that we've really lost the idea that there truly are significant consequences that happen, that trust really does matter. The psychological effect that happens when a promise is broken by you or to you is significant. The shame, the guilt, the years of trauma that that can create. And we're just like, oh, oh, well, I mean, I don't care if I've lost dignity, respect, trust or money. But see, and I think that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is, is that we don't live yeah. in an honor shame culture. I agree. As, a, as Americans, we live in a very, it's a very self-based culture. I'm an individual. If, if you, I'm okay with it, who cares? That's right. And so what happens if you go to China or Japan or to the Middle East, they're an honor shame based culture. Their word is everything. If you yeah. break it, you break the family's name, honor and shame. We don't live by that. And so when I break a promise, so you don't trust me, I'll find somebody else. Yeah. But the other half of that is also in our culture, we don't make deals with people yeah. unless we already believe they're trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, or unless we're, we're the one planning to con them. Yes. Unless we have evil intent about it. That's right. And so it's one of those things where it's like, <clears throat> we don't, I don't, we don't really step into situations where we are totally on the line yeah. either. Oh and, yeah. And this is why we I think, bubble wrap <clears throat> it. Yeah. and this is why I think covenant is so hard for us to understand and why we got into the big conversation of should she sacrifice a stuffed animal or not. 
Jennifer was on the no side. They were fine holes. I yeeted a dog off of a Bible in five videos. So. Please say what yeeted means. <laughs> oh no, this they'll know. <laughs> I chucked with thank you with um extreme force and humor a stuffed dog off the screen to signify animal sacrifice for a children's story that took place in five minutes. But and, and here's here's why this was such a big deal to me. And, and I actually I probably made a bigger deal, but it was intentional. It wasn't about the, we need to have a fun illustration. It's that I really do part of the struggle we have with the Bible is that we can't put ourselves in the story. Picturing saying they sacrificed animals. I can mentally kind of have a picture, but sure. seeing a stuffed animal split apart and having, you know, red yarn, even though it's kind of silly, like that gives me a much easier, tangible way to go, oh, wait, if that was an actual cow, that was an actual goat. And so for me, I think part of our struggle is also we are so distanced from a world in which blood was part of culture that even the death of Jesus, like think about if you go to a Catholic church, Jesus on the cross, he's got a little bit of blood, a couple dabs of blood dropping from his side. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe some crown of thorns. No, Jesus was a bloody mess. And now when you picture that with the animals that were sacrificed, even the promise that God made with Abraham, and here's what's great about that story in Genesis 15, God puts Abraham into a deep sleep and he walks through the blood himself. And here's the, here's the beautiful correlation here. May it be done to me what should be done to you if I ever break this covenant. God never broke the covenant and yet he was the one who sacrificed himself. You know, I was just thinking too when you said he walks through it himself, <clears throat> which, which is what says, Jesus did. Which, well, I'm thinking of like with the Abrahamic covenant, it's his spirit moves through it. And what do we contain now through yeah. Jesus Christ, the spirit within us? Yeah. And that's what moved through the covenant. Isn't that and, well, and, just and fun it's, to think about? Well, but even when you look at Jesus' death on the cross, what, Jesus dying on the cross, we broke the covenant over and over again, and yet it was God who still paid the price. And now all of a sudden, it's, it wasn't an animal that hung on the cross. It was the Son of God that hung on the cross. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where I was going earlier when I said we don't, we don't really make we don't really make deals with people unless they have already established some yeah. sort of yeah. reputation with us, right? But God did the exact opposite, right? So He, knowing that we there was no way we could hold our that's right our end end of the deal, knowing that in no way we were trustworthy to fulfill that, still stepped into it and did it. Yeah, and that's and I think when we now look at what Paul is writing in Galatians, and this is why Paul gets so upset about the Judaizers is, first of all, the Judaizers were thinking Moses was the big deal when really it was about Abraham was the big deal. And remember, we talked about these covenants. So, so far, if, we're, if you're keeping track, here are the primary covenants of the Old Testament. You have the, uh, the Adamic covenant, which is to go and multiply and care for the land. You have the Noahic covenant, which is I'm never going to flood the earth again, gives us the rainbow. You have the Abrahamic covenant, where he makes a promise to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be big. All nations, and this is why Paul gets yeah. so upset. Yeah. And then the the Abrahamic covenant is bigger than the Mosaic covenant because the Mosaic covenant is about one people group. It's about the Jews being God's people. Abraham's covenant was so that the whole world could be blessed. Yeah. yeah, amen. And so now all of a sudden you come to the Judaizers and they're focusing on Moses and the covenant God made with Moses when Moses' covenant is just about being Jewish instead of, Focusing on the fact that God made a bigger, a more superior covenant 
with Abraham. But don't we do that too? Yes, we like do. that is so human of us to be like, no, my concept of what's my real world. and to me, and this is how I understand it and what's close to me, because that, oh, sorry, I hit the thing, but because that thing from the past is not as close, not as significant, it doesn't directly affect me in that way anymore. Yeah. And so it's it's tainted by the way yeah. that we view our, our, yeah, we're, we're pretty narcissistic. Well, like. And well, this is the Jews in particularly started believing they were special instead of the promise that God mm-hmm. gave them was special. And so that's why they focused on Moses because Moses was all about, look how we're special. We got the law. We're God's people. And we often have an us versus them. You're not God's people. We are. And so, of course, the Judaizers, or in, and we do this today, how many Christians, well, I'm a Christian. God chose me. And this is where, like, not because of anything you did. Yeah, yeah. not because you're great. Not because yeah. you're awesome. Just like Abraham. Abraham wasn't awesome. I mean, he was, God saw something in him that he didn't see in anybody else. But there was, he wasn't following any Mosaic laws. The law didn't show up for another 432 years. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about this, the, the notion of why Paul is so upset is that if we lose sight of Abraham, we lose sight of why Jesus ultimately came. Yeah. And I and I think Paul's also probably upset because it's like this isn't new. Yeah, this, this is this, <laughs> this is, is the so same old. thing. This is, this is the thing from the beginning. Why do we have to keep establishing the major things? This is a, this is a major thing, like, and we still have to do it. We still have to do it. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. nothing new. This is what the plan was the whole time, guys. So like, Andy Stanley from North Point uh, about two years ago made a very controversial statement, and I actually didn't think it was that controversial. But what he said is we need to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant. And some people were like, he was saying that we need to get rid of the Old, the Old Testament. And that's not what he was saying. What he was getting at, because he still quotes, he reads stories from the Old Testament, is we base way too much of our theology on the idea of, of appeasing God through our behavior. Mm-hmm. That we, that's, that's what we get stuck in. We, we want to be the new Jews. Yeah. So instead of the Ten Commandments, what we have is the don't drink, don't smoke, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. It's behavior modification. And he's saying, no, no, if we need to hitch our wagon to Jesus. And we read the Old Testament because the Old Testament gives us the picture of why we need Jesus. And so he got into, I mean, it was a big deal. A lot of pastors were like, we need to cancel Andy Stanley. And, and what he was really getting to is too many of us as Christians really don't understand the promises of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always think it's amusing to read, like, Judges, where, you know, every few chapters, you know, the Judges, every now and then they'll, they'll pop up. We have Samson and Deborah and Gideon. Yeah. But in between each of these Judges, every time it just says, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. It's like, yeah. dang it, we had it, we <laughs> had it. And, and here's the, this is the best part about Judges is that they, they go through a season of sinning and forgetting and forgetting, and yep. yet when they cry out, God listens. Mm-hmm. And we're, we do the same thing. The we only the difference is thing. we don't have judges anymore. We have a Savior. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you, I, I go through seasons where I forget, and I forget the Lord, and I do things my own way. And yet the minute I say, God, I'm sorry, he is faithful to return or to allow me back. He doesn't return. I return. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> He's the constant. He's the constant. Yeah. So... um. When we talk about this idea of Galatians and promises, <laughs> constant and noble. Sorry, oh, no. <laughs> I'm twelve. Not really, but thirty. But I feel twelve. That was only eighteen years ago for you. I know. Um, when we think about promises, let's let's move past covenant and let's talk about what do promises do? Do you remember when you were a kid? We used to make 
Thank you, promises. Yeah, that's what I said in my sermon too. Um, that Gabe and I, I'm a single mom. I was a single mom. Not a single mom no more. I know. Yeah, I got married, but I was for ten years. And um, my son, when we'd make a pinky promise, I'd say, "Okay, you know, if you break it, you know, it happens. I get to keep your pinky." And I would tell him that I would chop off his pinky finger and That's keep not, it if he broke the we promise. Can't, we can't sacrifice a stuffed I animal. I didn't say we couldn't. <laughs> I've done it. Um, so, yeah, I do those. I, when I think about the promises, you know, and I know Megan read a similar quote that you did in your message last year. The same one. From yeah. May. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how many promises there are in Scripture? 8,810. 8, and not all of those are from God, but that's nope, how many nine promises from are Satan. in Scripture. Yeah, nine. <laughs> Good thing we don't have to trust Satan. So, But I think you, he could still promise things that are, like, true. Yeah, but he's like, still... Like, I promise to be evil. <laughs> in that voice. That yeah. Was, that Thank was you. That's said, my yeah. Satan I got to tell you that if, if Satan came to me and did that, I would not be, like... <laughs> I'm not scared of Satan. Yeah, I hope you hear that, Satan. I ain't scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> by the name of Jesus. By, by the, the name, name of Jesus. Jesus. Not because of anything Kate Hopkins. Because I got, nope, I got the Holy Spirit, same power, by the name of Jesus. That's I ain't scared right. of you, Satan. So That's when right. we talk about promises, how does hope connect with promise? I mean, isn't that really what this is all about? Is that at the end of the day, we follow Jesus because he gives us a promise, not just of eternal life, but life now. But when, when a, if God broke his promises, we wouldn't have hope. And and some now there is something hope delayed. Like often I get upset because God's not answering fast enough. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's where often Christians struggle is they assume that when God gives a promise, it means immediate. So when he says that he'll take care yeah. of your needs, well, he promised to take care of your needs, but he takes care of it through other people. And I loved that. Megan talked about that in her yeah. sermon that she said Abraham didn't get his fulfillment of a child right away. And he yeah. and she talked about that. But even like the promise of many nations. He and never things, got he, to see it. He would never get mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think of that in children's ministry. I was just talking to someone else that does a ministry that can't. You don't get to see the fruit. Yeah. And so how do you keep going when you don't get to see the fruit? What's your hope that you hold on to? Yeah. I don't get to see these children as adults yet. I hope that I stay in the field long enough that I have Hayden Kobe come back and be like, Miss Kate. Remember when you yeeted that dog as a sacrifice? I love that. <laughs> I <still remember. laughs> well, but, and I'll tell you, like, I've been, in, I've been in ministry long enough now that I've had times where I forget. And it's amazing how God sometimes will put people back in your life to encourage. Sure. And I remember getting, I got a, uh, an email, maybe a text years ago, several years ago, from a former student who was like, you may not know this, but what you did here has impacted my life now mm-hmm. 15 years later. And I remember how bummed out I was. But before that, mm-hmm. but we don't always know the impact. And that's, but here's the thing. When God gives promises, there are some promises. Like, for instance, when he says, confess and put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus and follow him, you will be saved. That's not a future promise for me. That's, I, get, I get to experience that right now. I get the Holy Spirit right now. Now, eternal life with him, that's a future hope. But the rest of them are things that we have to wait for. And, and I think in our culture right now, with so much hopelessness, I don't think we I don't think we've come to value promises because we feel so overwhelmed by all the things around us that seem to go wrong. Well, I mean, that was the other part of that, the way of the heart by uh, Henry, Henry Nowen. Now yeah. I was going to say Nguyen. That's not right. 
Thanks, Nowen. I like to just mess up names. Anyway, when he was talking about words and how they're just everywhere, if you think about like billboards and advertisements, eat this, drink this, try this, you know, sleep with me, like all these things that he was talking about, like all these promises, these false promises that are constantly all around us. Like you can't even watch YouTube without an ad. You can't listen to music without an ad. And they're all false promises. They're all false promises. So it's like nothing matters anymore. I don't care what, I'm not going to go in. If I want to say something that does matter, oh, you better believe that I'm going to be in a position to not fall. I think we need to be careful too, because the promise isn't the end. Yeah. And the promise is not the the end. It's not the end all. It's it's Christ through it and knowing and him alone, because here's the thing. And this is what I wrestle with with my own, my own faith and my own walk is, is God God enough? Is he good enough? Is he worthy enough in my eyes that if he cancels the promise because he's God and he could. Yeah. He won't because he doesn't go against his word. That's right. Like yeah. that's how, that's his character. But that there was still something greater. Yeah. That there was still something better. Like, and I feel like that's the thing is that I don't want to cling to a promise because the promise ultimately could change. Yeah. yeah. Could. The promise but is not God. God will not <clears throat> change. The promise giver is who we cling that's to. That's right. Well, and I think, Part of the problem also is we attribute things to promises that God never actually promised. Sure. Because yeah. we read things out of context. So mm-hmm. in Romans, when it says he works together all things for the good of those who love him, well, then I can't get cancer because that's not going to work out the good. That's not good. That's not good. Like, well, wow. no, you missed the point. That's not a promise of things are going to go your way. Yeah. It's that God ultimately is going to work all things to good. But then when tragedy happens or sickness happens or, you know, we pray and it doesn't go the way we want, we're so quick to dismiss because, again, we don't understand what promises look like. And, and I, I think about even this idea of the church. You know, one of the things that we've purposely made a shift to this last year is we're teaching, we're, we're going through a book. We're going through Galatians. And, and there's nothing wrong with topical. Topical can be very helpful. In fact, we're going to do topical studies at some point. But I think sometimes what happens is when we just do only topical, we don't teach people how to read scripture. Well, as a pastor or whoever's communicating, they can sometimes make it sound like what God offers is bite-sized chunks of human living, like how to have a good life. Mm-hmm. Best life now. That's right. And so instead of actually preparing people to Which hear... It's a horrible promise. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's well, not a promise. It's, it's a false promise. And yeah. it, didn't ex- yeah. it didn't exist for any of the disciples. I mean, no. every disciple dealt with suffering. And, and actually, yeah. Actually all but one died. We're yeah. told to do dangerous things and risky things if we're really surrendering it to Christ. Are you, you just, I yeah. saw the radical book, man. So share a little bit. So you just read David Platt's Radical. Oh, yeah. so good. I'm going to reread it, probably. Say a little bit about it. So here's the thing, and we encourage, this is one of the things that we're as a staff doing as well. We've been, we're trying to do more spiritual formation and leadership formation, which we might read that book here next. I don't know yet. I'm debating what we want to do. We have now. John loves David Platt. <laughs> It's really good. I, we went yeah. when we went to Dallas to watch him at the Right Now when he was at the Right Now Media Conference. Yep. I was like, "This guy is high or really filled with the Holy Spirit," and I'm <laughs> not sure which it is. That's right. Yeah, and so I had to go do some digging. And it, he it very spirit filled. I love that. Per, by the way, just to like affirm you, I love that about your personality. That when you question them something, that you you go out of your way to make sure that like I want to understand this. Yeah. And well, and I don't want to be. Um, falsely led yeah because we should, that's because our that, job our job is to make sure the only authoritative Amen. word is the word of god so and yeah. he was preaching the word be of like god, the Brians. but it's still yeah we got to go find mm-hmm. out for ourselves. i do i do it to pastor jason all the time yeah. after he teaches something on a sunday morning you bet your bottom dollar i go and look it up myself yeah that's i do awesome. and the it's fact that you don't, and the fact that you don't come to me and be like you were wrong here here and here 
Means I'm go, doing my job. No, I tell yeah. my husband. I'm yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Or, or you go a little deeper. It's a break to break. That's right. <laughs> well, but, then, no, but this, that, that's actually, we joke about that. But there is an element also, is we have to be careful of what we're reading because there are some yeah. people who are giving opinions that's on. That's what I'm saying. That's especially right. All, like, especially, mm-hmm. yes, we, I think we need to be not careful of pastors, but we do need to be, right? God, we all we have don't put our trust in pastors. No, we put it oh, in. we see that all and over the New Testament to beware of what you're yeah, being and I taught think that's and so true in Christian it. books. I've, I've literally, I have literally, my father-in-law has his master's in divinity. I have literally checked out a book from the library that he removed off my counter and told me I couldn't read it. I'm a grown woman. I don't know what the book was. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't even remember. But he just was like, "You don't want to read this. You don't. Want, it's not good. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not going to be good." And so, so and here's like, the other part. And this it is, wasn't content. It was. The author's yeah. take on things. And, and here's the other part. So as you mature in faith, you can read views that are not healthy. Sure. When you have the grounding to go, this isn't good, yeah. right? Um, it's like my children. My children, if they could, they'd eat candy 24-7. I have to teach them that that's not good. Yeah. And sometimes as Christians, because we, honestly, we like immaturity. We like to stay. We'd rather be. Spiritual milk. Yeah. We like to snack. But. Part of part of our growing in faith, and I don't even want to say it's about getting an, an MDiv or anything else. It's part of your own spiritual maturity, and the more that you are learning and growing in your faith, and learning from wiser, much more knowledgeable people. And I'm not talking me; I'm talking scholars and people who've dedicated their life to this. Yeah. The more I can, I can read things that I don't agree with because mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on. I I encourage it when I'm walking alongside other people newer to faith. I say, read a lot of different views on this because just because one pastor feels this way, just because our lead pastor feels this way, doesn't mean that's the only view. And there are several very educated people out there that have done a lot of research that have free access on the internet to all of this information that you can access this. The danger is, is when you only take the one view. Yep. Or 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 you you look out. For what you want. To yes. You're trying to find. But I think you're there's trying another danger peg. as well, and that is that you don't know the source if it's trusted, and you assume that because they have the word pastor next to their name. Mm-hmm. Or got a, Or a book published, mm-hmm. that they're good theology. And there's a lot of crud out there. Mm-hmm. And some of it, like, there are moments of things where you're like, oh, there's some, I can take some nuggets of truth from something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I, if I were to say, the only thing that I really was the biggest benefit for me in my MDiv was learning how to think theologically critically. That was, if I could take the way, didn't prepare me for ministry. It really didn't. Um, it didn't prepare me to love Jesus more. Now, they did emphasize that. But their big thing was, is no, you need to think, you need to learn how to be discerning mm-hmm. theologically. And I remember I got into it, someone got upset with me about something. And their whole argument was, well, I'm very educated. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And like, well, I, re- I read all of Beth Moore. I'm like, great, Beth Moore has done the work. You haven't. And and I think that's part of our problem. This goes even with the promises and scriptures and all the things we read. I agree with you. We should read varying opinions, but make sure you're reading from the from good sources, trusted sources. And that doesn't mean theologically the same. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're reading from people that aren't going to lead you astray, uh, or that that are worthy. But how do you know that? Right. And we're on a total tangent no. right now. I know. I loved it though. I I think it's important to talk about that. It stuff. is. No, that's part of the breakthrough breakdown mm-hmm. because. And this is the thing. So, and, and anybody who's listening, if you go to anybody who's preaching, I've got a whole library. So when you walk into my office and people are like, have you read all these? No, I have not read all my books. They are in there because they're content. They're things that I know if I need to study. I've got seven different commentaries on Galatians. I've got 20 on Romans. And the reason why I have that is because I'm not that smart. Yeah. 
and and I'm not expecting and and, and at the end I of the said yeah, so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, because As I agree in, with I you. I agree. I'm not that smart. <clears throat> no, as but well. I, I agree with you. I'm not that smart. But and here's the thing: is that the danger becomes for Christians and pastors. I read one book, and therefore I think I'm educated. And on the flip side, is no, you got to read twenty. No, because that's when you get into. You theolog- need a holistic approach. But also, you want to be careful not to move into theological arrogance. Mm-hmm. Or just where a, it distracts you from what really is trying to be communicated. That's right, because it we can, can be a distraction. Absolutely, hundred percent. And some people okay. don't. For them, they don't care about all the biblical knowledge, and you don't need to. That's why there are people like us who have dedicated our lives to being in ministry. In children's ministry, you are the expert on children's ministry for our church. Me and Bob Goff. I love you, Bob Goff. Thank you for listening, I was like, how can I, how can I add that in? That's good. That's and N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright, yeah. Bob Goff. There we go. But here's the thing. like, I trust you. You've dedicated your life. You want to be the best children's minister. Are you the expert of the world? No. no. But I know that, Kate, that you spend your time you want to be the best children's pastor you can be. So I'm going to defer to your opinions. Jennifer, and adult ministries and the things with women's ministry and discipleship and all these areas that you've dedicated yourself, it doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. It means that that's the area. For me, when I preach, yeah, I study. I take study very seriously because it'd be so easy for me to lead people astray. Yeah. And that's kind of my, ch- that's also why we do sermon read-throughs. Mm-hmm. Because I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've said something and one of, and particularly this is, and I've said this before, why I'm grateful for the women in our sermon read-throughs. Sometimes I'll say things not realizing how isolating my, my perspective is just as a man. Yeah. That I'll say something that for me doesn't even register as a problem. And a woman's like, you know, that doesn't apply to me. Or what about the 52% of the world who that, that doesn't make sense or doesn't connect. Yeah. And so this is all part of even going to the promises. Yeah. Like, and, and I would say even, the Judaizers. And yes. I, I was literally just thinking that. I mean, to circle it back around, yep. they had the Moses law. And so that was the only content, the only thing that was important. And they dedicated their and, lives Yeah, to and it. that was their only viewpoint. And, yeah. and, they're, and meanwhile, there's a promise from however Amen. long before, hundreds yeah. of years before, that was greater than what they were um, focusing on. And- I loved yeah. how Pastor Derek used the lens where they yeah. literally took off their Abraham glasses, set them down and picked up their Moses ones and weren't able to see it a different way. Yeah. You know, and that's what like we're kind of talking about that of like being able to pick up other glasses yeah. and say, oh, now I see it from so such a holistic approach. And that's our job as disciples to do our do our own work too, yeah. not to just take things at face value because of that danger of becoming yeah. like a Judaizer where you only have one view. And because ultimately I want to know the heart of God. Yeah. yeah. I, and so, the heart yes. of God is like God's character. Um, yes. His knowledge is so far greater yeah. than what we can possibly comprehend that it actually takes multiple human beings to even get me a cinch well, of understanding of what that might be. So part of, part of our difficulty, and, and this is something I'm more and more um, seeing as a value, uh, the Bible Project actually did a great thing on this. Um, I love the Bible Project. So much of how we've approached Christianity is individualistic solo Christianity. So my devotional time, my quiet yeah. time, my, my, my. When scripture was meant to be read in community, mm-hmm. to be read together, and often you would just read it out loud and you, you would just share your thoughts or how it connected with you. And and yeah, you're going to hear somebody who's like, I think what Jesus is saying is this, and someone's going to go, I can see why you say that. That's probably not what he's saying. In Judaism, that's encouraged. That's encouraged. To, to talk. And yeah. I'm, actually, I love it because I've said this to you a hundred times. But like in Judaism, it's um, encouraged to like talk over each other. Yeah. How we do that. That's to how argue. To argue back and forth and inter- interrupt each other and add on. And you it's just got to know that that's what yeah. you're doing. 
<laughs> it's called stringing pearls. Is is it's beautiful. That's it is, it and is. it can be. So, uh, for instance, one of the things that we find in scripture reading is that <clears throat> if I'm reading the promises of God, right? And well, actually, I'll just share a story. When I was brand new to faith, I mean, I think I've been a Christian for all of three weeks. And I, isn't it weird how you have memories? You're like, they're so poignant because they, they hit you so hard. I was in our Wednesday night, I think it was our Sunday night Bible study. It was called After Hours, so that was Sunday night. And he was telling the story of the prodigal son, the pastor was, and he asked what everybody's opinion was, brand new Christian. And I stood up for the prodigal, I stood up for the older son. And I was like, I really think that what God is saying is that, you know, the older son had a right to be upset and angry because look at this, look at this guy who squandered everything. And one of my friends who later became a good friend, he looked at me and he says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Obviously, that's not what it is. I was a brand new believer. And what that did for me is it made me go, oh, I'm, I'm, you have to have some, I'm not allowed to have questions or to be wrong. And a big part of what's supposed to happen in community is we're supposed to be able to be wrong in a safe way, but we also have to be able to be taught in a safe way. So that when somebody shares something, let's say I share that, well, obviously that's not the intention. He approached it from a shame perspective of what an idiot. I can't believe you said that. Mm-hmm. And the pastor corrected it right there. and was like, that's not, that was my can, sorry. Um, but how do we allow people to wrestle with scripture? And now let's wrestle with the promises of God. Yeah. What do you do with somebody who's battling cancer or whose child is sick? Yeah. Um, and they say, wait a second. I thought God said this. And they quote a verse at you. Uh, for I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you, but, or, but to prosper you. If someone can't wrestle with the promises of God in a safe community and have people then say, no, here's, maybe this is what God is trying to say too. I don't think we actually can really understand the promises of God because we read them individually, but they were meant communally. The promises weren't connected to individuals. I also think that there comes a beauty with new Christians that interpret things in a different way that we'd never seen where you have fresh eyes you know I, I remember one of my first classes that I took was a how to read the how to read the bible how to read the new testament and one of the pastors was saying what do you think it means to wait on the lord and i said oh is it like serving like a waiter oh, yeah. like a waitress <laughs> and he he giggled and he goes oh i've never ever heard someone say that before no, that's not the intent of what he was talking about, yeah. but what a beautiful concept. And we broke it down and talked about it. And then he broke down what he was talking about mm-hmm. in the actual context of that scripture of what we were talking about. I think it was wait on the Lord, be strong and take heart, wait on the Lord. And it was Luke. That's not what we were talking about. It wasn't talking about serving, but what a beautiful way to look at that. And he didn't yeah. shame me. He lifted me up and said, wow, what a great thing you offered. Yeah. And I think that's how we can do that with new Christians. That's oh, really well handled. I'm going to file that one away. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a, next week we're going to be getting into a, a really big part. Um, talking at the end of Galatians 3. And uh, I'm actually I'm really excited to preach on it. And we're going to press into some things that just quite frankly sometimes make us uncomfortable. Um. But that's what scripture is supposed to do. Uh, if we're always walking away from a, a message or from God's word going, wow, I feel so comforted. I feel so comfortable. We're probably not reading it right. <laughs> right. Uh, not, this is affirming it. I'm doing everything correct in my life. Yeah. It's and that doesn't mean right that there aren't times. Sometimes I read God's word and it's comforting. Comfort. Sure. Yeah. But comfortable is not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, uh, 
Jesus said, whoever would follow me, take up your cross. Like, so, in other I'll, words, take up your electric your, chair. Your, and I'll make your, you comfortable. Die. Yeah, yeah, and I'll make you comfortable. <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. Well, yeah. and, and even like if you ever read Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. I haven't, but it's um, on my list. It's, it's definitely knowing that he eventually died yes. yeah. and has a murdered death. Um, well, guys, this has been good. It's a fun one. This was a fun one. Um, hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Breakthrough Breakdown. Here's, here's do me a favor, okay? So we, uh, if you're listening on this, you might be listening through the Zion app. But if you can do me a favor, there's, there should be a link now on there to go to the Apple podcast. Uh, share it with somebody, subscribe, um, write a comment. We'd love to hear your comments, rate it four stars. If you don't like it, just don't write anything. No, <laughs> we're okay. I, honestly, I like any feedback is good, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. And we are still looking to do a Q and A. I've heard good responses about the conversation I had with uh, Gary Burge. Yeah. Um, a lot of people listen to that and I'm more and more, this has been, been really encouraging for me talking to people like, oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the breakthrough breakdown. I'm listening to it on my workout, on my drive. I had no idea that so many people were listening. This is part of the reason why podcast is helpful. It gives us an idea of who's sharing. Um, but also, we, we do want the message. We want the gospel to get out further than even just Zion. Because it's not about us. We want to point people to Jesus. And I love the dynamic that takes place here in this podcast. Because it's a fun way to learn and to talk. And I just appreciate all you guys. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Do me a fail, like I said. Go to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe. Leave a review, share it with a friend. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm John. And Jennifer. Enjoy your fresca. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.